0: 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to read several verses of Scripture there, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. If we are, Or if we are comforted, it's for your consolation and salvation. Let's jump down to verse 9. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Well, amen. This morning we're going to kind of look at some of the things that we go through in this life and why we go through some of the things that we do in the life that we live today. Now, the Paul was not always the Apostle Paul, as you remember, that he was a man that was fighting against God. He was putting Christians in, in prison, and in fact, he was on his way to get letters from the priest uh, to be able to put Christians in prison when he was converted to Christ on the road to Damascus. Now we, uh, in Israel, we actually were on that road to Damascus at one point, so we had actually been in the place where probably this uh, very event happened, where, where uh, Jesus, uh, where Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and, and if you remember right, that he was uh, a bright light shown that he was blinded, and then he was sent to Ananias, uh, who was to pray for him. And now we find uh, Paul uh, at writing this uh, message. Uh, by the way, no one is too far gone that God can't reach them. No one. There is no sinner on the face of this earth that Jesus can't reach down and change their life. But we have to make the choice. To make a difference what a person has done, Jesus can forgive all sin. The only one that he will not forgive is rejecting him, not asking Christ to come into his heart. Paul said, blessed be the Father and uh, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. To be back up there. He said he was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Not by the will of men, but by the will of God. He was chosen to be by the grace of God. He didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. But God loved him anyway. And I want to tell you today that God loves you anyway. It doesn't make any difference what kind of thing that you've had going on in your life. Just like he loved Paul, he loves you and he can make a difference in your life. And he goes on to say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, that God will comfort us in our trouble, in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort others with the comfort that we have received. Now, it might be that you're going through some kind of loss or or some kind of tribulation, uh, the book of john talks about this uh, in john 16:33 says these things i have spoken to you that in me you may have peace in this world he says you will have tri- tribulation but be of good cheer for i have overcome the world now this word uh, tribulation i dug into that a long time ago to see where this word come from it was actually a, a greek word that it was actually a, a the greek word tribulum it was actually a farming tool that they used on the threshing floors in that day. Something I could understand and, and look into. It was actually a wooden beam with spikes driven through it. It was a, a big rake. After the, 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 the grain was beat from the, the stalks of wheat on the threshing floors, they would drag this rake across the threshing floor to separate the straw from the, from the grain, as if God might use tribulation to separate the good from the bad in our lives. We're going to have some troubles in this life. Some of those things are just by, by bad decisions that we've made along the way, or, or it might be things that we just don't understand why. Uh, why those things came along in our life. But, but like Paul, we need to find comfort from the Lord in our tribulation. Sometimes we might go to a place that, that we can't even understand how we got there. there, that there might not be any hope unless God comes through in our lives. And I want to tell you that when we hit rock bottom, you'll find out that the rock bottom is rock solid if we're leaning on Jesus Christ. Sadly, there are a lot of people that turn the other direction. Even people in our family have turned the other direction when they face trials in this life and gone the other way. Maybe turned to drugs or alcohol or to other relationships and those kind of things. But the right thing to do, my friends, is to turn to Jesus Christ. No matter what's going on in your life today, Jesus will comfort you. He might not take you out of the fire, but He promises that He'll walk with you in the fire. Just like He walked with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, He'll walk with you in that fire that others might see that Jesus is the one that's comforting you. Now Paul went through all kinds of things in his life. He, thought, he actually thought that he was going to die. Many times he was put in a position where there was no hope. Unless God came through, there was no hope for Him. Uh, let's just look at some of His trials. If we turn over in the Bible to, to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 11, verses 23. Chapter 11, verse 23. It's in my Bible, I promise you. Let's begin in 24. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day in the deep. In journeys often, in perils in the waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. And weariness and toil and sleepliness often, sleeplessness often, and hunger and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches is the church. Listen, if you think you've gone through some troubles, take a look at Paul. Suffered loss, beatings. You know, we know the things that Jesus went through on our behalf. He suffered everything that that we go through in life. Jesus has been there before us. And we look at Paul. He was just a man chosen by God. uh, A man that was about as far away from God as he could possibly be. And God chose him uh, to be a man of God, to be a preacher of the gospel, to be an apostle of his. Even in prison, Paul was singing and praising the Lord. Because of that, other people were converted. People are watching our lives when we go through trials in this life to see if there's something different in your life. I remember, it's been several years ago now that my sister lost a son. He was ran over by a train, and we'd gone. I'd taken my mom and dad out to uh, El Paso, Texas to be there for the funeral. And my brother had a stepdaughter. And uh, we were just sitting around talking one day, and the stepdaughter says, "I don't understand uh, talking about my sister. How you can have, be so calm in a time like this? You have something I don't have. I want what you have." Listen, people are watching in the t- even in the time of loss to see if there's something different. God can give peace that passes understanding, peace that you can't e- un- can't even understand why you. Feel the way that you do. Why are you are at such peace the way that you are? People will be watching to see if you have Jesus in your life, even in, during those times of loss. By the way, I was able to take that young lady into the back and share Christ with her, and she accepted Christ as her personal Savior that day. When you're at your lowest point, God may send someone to comfort you with the comfort that they were comforted. They might have been through something that you're walking through in life, and God will send them along. God sent Titus to comfort Paul uh, when he was at kind of at his lowest point. I remember uh, uh, several years ago now, it hadn't been too long ago, Daniel and I were in uh, Nepal. We'd been across the Himalaya mountains, and, and uh, I'd grown a little bit weary. We were just traveling across those high mountains and been to a, a tribe called the Chapang. Uh, one of the last of the nomadic tribes in the world, and we were headed back out, and we stopped at a to, for a for a meeting way back up the mountains. I don't even remember the name of the town that we were in, but uh, we were way up in the mountains. It was cold, and we had about 300 people that came out for this service, and then they put us in a little hotel in this town, probably the only one there. And as uh, so happens, they had about a 8 or 10 year old boy was doing the housekeeping so you can imagine what the room looked like. And uh we couldn't hardly walk into the bathroom in this room and it was just so cold and uh, you know as it got later we finally had to put on all of the clothes that we had with us before we could lay down to try to go to sleep. The blanket was so nasty. I couldn't pull it up around my face. It smelt so bad. So we just kind of had to hover in a in the corner and uh, wait through the night and we got up really early, way before dead daylight and headed out of there just to get out of, out of way from there. And we were, uh, we were headed out. We come back to Kathmandu. Haven't you always wanted to go there? I just like to say it, Kathmandu. And uh, we, were, we were coming out. Uh, I checked in uh, the hotel. There was one other couple there. They were retired, had been on vacation. They had been to Mount Everest. That's where it's in Nepal. We didn't actually see it, but I think we did see K2, the second highest mountain there. And we just said hello to this couple. They were from Texas, and we checked in and got back in the holding area, and it was very confusing. And uh, they were, uh, we couldn't understand the an- announcements. They've been delaying flights, and so the Na- Nepali people don't have any sense of personal space, so it was just very crowded, and people were this elbow to elbow, and this lady came and found us and wanted to know if we could help her find her gate, and uh, we said yes, uh, we could help her, and we did. Uh, back when God was calling uh, Jed and I to ministry and prepared us for what we do today, I was listening, we were listening, both of us, to three or four preachers every day. I put a radio on the fender of my tractor so I wouldn't miss any of the preaching, and if I missed it, Jan would record it, and we'd listen to it at night. And one of those preachers, I'd always wanted to call him to to let him know how that God used them in my life to prepare us for what we do today. I couldn't get past the secretary at the front desk. I tried a couple times, and uh, tried to call Charles Stanley, and uh, she was like, "Are you a member of this church? No, you can't talk, you can't talk to him." And I tried two or three times, something like that, and. Uh, and so I just kind of forgot about it, but we were, like I said, we were coming out of Paul. This lady came and found us, and after we helped her, she wanted to know who we were, what, what we're doing there. And I told her, a, I just told her a story of what we're doing, we're doing evangelism, been across the mountains, that kind of thing. And a little bit, she says, I go to church in Frisco, Texas, and Chuck Swindoll is my pastor. It's like God tapped me on the shoulder and said, I know where you are. He comforted me right there in that place in Kathmandu on the other side of the world. And I, I just broke down, and I had a meltdown in the middle of the Kathmandu airport. Daniel was embarrassed because I was crying in the middle of the Kathmandu airport. And this lady said, well, if anybody can get your story to him, I can. She said, I'm very persistent. She took my card and wrote a note or two. Well, the next Monday... Wrote, she sent me a letter, an uh, uh, email Sunday afternoon and said, I wrote a very emotional letter, stapled your card to it and gave it to Pastor Swindoll this morning and I told him to call you. I'm like, right, He he's going to call me and uh, I didn't have much faith, I guess. So Monday rolls around and I'm still in bed trying to recover from the jet lag and about 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning, the phone rings, Jan comes running through the house with the phone hollering, Swindoll is on the phone. And uh, so I got to tell him my story. Uh, it was an encouragement to me. Uh, I'm just saying that God comforted me at that time when I was feeling lonely and homesick. And so I, I told Pastor Swindoll my story. He said He said this, he said, well... He said, I get a lot of response from my ministry, but I have to admit, I've never had anything come from Kathmandu. (laughs) God will comfort us when we're going through trials or anything going on in our life if we look to Him. We have to keep looking to Him, get in God's Word. Uh, It might be a death to self-process that that God has taken us through during those times. So one of my, uh, one of the, second favorite verse of Scripture that I have is uh, uh, John sixteen thirty three. Except a seed of corn fall to the ground and die to self, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth most fruit. Jesus talking about himself and his death on the cross. But God spoke to me and he speaks to us about dying to self. If we die to self, give up our own life uh, and follow Jesus with all of our heart, that he can bring more fruit from our lives. But there has to be, we have to give up our own self, our own ideas, our own dreams to be able to follow him in that way that Jesus might bring uh, life to others. His goal is to make us into the image of Jesus. There is nothing that we go through in this life that God can't comfort us in. It doesn't make any difference what it is. And secondly, we must not judge people that are going through trials. We don't know. We haven't walked where they're walking. So it's when people are going through some kind of trial, you may not even understand what it is going on in somebody's life. But it might be that God wants you to comfort them. Rather than judge, it might be that we just need to comfort other people with the comfort that you have received. If God has comforted you in anything, maybe through your loss or whatever it might be, It might be that we need to keep feeling stop feeling sorry for ourselves and begin to look for people that and begin to ask God for people that we can minister to that are going through some kind of trial in their life. Minister to others with the comfort that you have received. There's a Native American poem I thought about this morning. I was able to find it. I wanted to, to read just a little bit of to you this morning. Originally, it was called Judge Softly, but then it was changed to Walk a Mile in My Moccasins. Pray don't find fault with a man that limps or struggles, trug, stru, stumbles along the road, unless you have worn the moccasins he wears or stumbled beneath the same load. There may be tears in, uh, tears in his souls that hurt, uh, though hidden away from view, the burden he bears placed on your back may cause you to stumble and fall too don't sneer at the man who is down today unless you have felt the same blow that caused his fall or felt the shame that only the fallen know you may be strong but still the blows that were his unknown to you in the same way may cause you to stagger and fall too don't be too harsh and it just goes on talking about not judging those around us and Unless we've walked in their shoes. Sorrow can also bring repentance, and repentance can bring salvation. Listen, it might be if you're going through some kind of struggle in life, you realize today that you've never asked Christ to come into your heart and be your Savior. It might be He's trying to get your attention. Uh, back, uh, back when I was farming, Daniel got on to me years ago for telling this story so much, but uh, I'm going to tell it to you anyway today. Uh, I was still farming. We had an old 100-horsepower tractor, and I would pull a 5 bottom breaking plow that had coulters or cutters right in front of each plow that were razor-sharp, about that big around. And I was plowing. I'd let a rye field grow up. It was over six feet tall. And I had this plow set just right where I could plow through there, and... And uh, it would cover every bit of it up. I was putting organic matter, if you wanted to know, back in the soil. And so I had some cows in this field. I was plowing along, had duels on the upland side, on the left side. And this old tractor just roared like a freight train when it was going through the field. And I had this cow that was expecting a calf any day in this field. And I thought, I'll go one more round, and then I'll get off and go try to find this cow, see if she's had her calf. Went all the way around the field, this old sandy field, it was white sand, and flat all the way around, and come back about where I was, and looked up there in front of me, and there was something black on the top of the ground. I got up closer, I thought it was a snake at first. Got up closer, there was one leg of a black baby calf sticking out of the ground about that far. It was laying in a place that was safe and secure, he thought, and I came along and plowed it under 10 inches deep. And I thought, well, I've buried it already but it wiggled just a little bit, so I hopped off of the tractor and jumped out there and got a hold of that leg and drug it out. And it didn't have a scratch on it anywhere. It was laying just right where I went over a straddle of it with his tractor. It was laying just right that those cutters, 16 inches wide, went on each side and didn't even shave a hair off of it. It had almost suffocated. I thought I was going to have to give it mouth-to-mouth resuscitation before it got his breath and ran off. But his eyes were big and... And, uh, it finally, <laughs> I didn't mean to scare you, <laughs> it blew the dirt out of his nose and ran off, and I, but I got its attention. <laughs> From that day forward, I thought, well, this this uh, thing is a little heifer calf, I thought, she's a keeper, she can do something like that and live through it, so I kept it until we sold her farm years later. Um. But I could drive in the field with uh, this old tractor after that cow had a calf of its own. She'd hear the sound of that tractor, and it was run off to the other side. I won't blow again, but don't snort again, but it run off to the other side of the pasture. Go, God knows how to get our attention. We don't have to wait uh, until something, some tragedy comes along. We need to be looking to Jesus all of the time, Amen. He knows the trials that we're going through. He's been there before. Paul understood uh, very well as he went through the trials of life that God could use those things to temper him, to melt away the sin from his life, the dross from his life, and prepare him for what God had tomorrow. The pressure that he went through, the pressure that you go through, God can use. It takes pressure to make diamonds. God can use the things that you're going through in life to prepare you for what he has for you. If you don't understand it, just keep a looking to Jesus. Hang on to him and he will see you through. He'll walk with you in the storm. We're going to have a time of invitation.